Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. There's a lot of ways to interpret the scriptures. There's thousands of different biblical commentaries, thousands of different angles, thousands of different schools of thought, different lenses to approach with the scriptures. And for any given passage, there's a lot of ways to take it. There's a lot of ways to interpret it. There's things that are inbounds and things that are out of bounds. And with this gospel, I'm just thinking, there's a lot of ways to take this gospel in particular. And there's, there's homilies that I've heard preached from priests who, who give this interpretation that What's really going on here is that Jesus, his humanity is really showing up. His, really, his humanity is really shining through, is showing through. That it's the end of a long day, he's exhausted, he's been teaching and preaching, traveling, and then this woman comes up to him at the end of the day, and he's just kind of grouchy, and she kind of reminds him like who he's supposed to be, and she kind of one-ups him with this line. She's this persistent person, and, and she kind of overcomes Jesus in his, uh, you know, his grouchy humanity. Now, look, if you've ever heard a homily like that, that's heresy. Let's just start with that. Okay, that's a homily that's out of bounds. That's an interpretation that's out of bounds. We can't have the sinless Son of God getting grouchy and sinning. You can't have that. That's not what's going on in this gospel. Jesus is not being mean. He's not being reminded of who he is or who he's supposed to be. That's not, that's not a legitimate interpretation. There's a lot of other ones. Like um, We can talk about how in this scene, though, what we see is Jesus inviting this woman to experience the stretching of her desire. St. Augustine talks about this, that the entire spiritual journey is one of um, infinitizing our desires, stretching our desires through delay, through longing, so that we can receive what the Lord wants to give us. That's a fine interpretation. I preached this morning at the 8 o'clock Mass. I talked about uh, the, the angle that I took this morning for that, that homily was about... Um, more or less how so often many of us still come to Jesus wanting things from Jesus more than we want Jesus. That's what I preached this morning. That's not what I'm preaching tonight. Not that I disagree with that, but somewhere in the middle of Mass this morning, the Holy Spirit just kind of whispered in my heart as I was presiding, which is a really unique thing. I was in the middle of the Eucharistic prayer this morning at the 8 o'clock Mass, and the Holy Spirit just kind of whispered something that he wanted me to share tonight. So that's what we're doing. <laughs> what the Holy Spirit kind of said was, really at the heart of this story, at the heart of this story, what you have is a parent. You have a parent who's desperate to help her child who's suffering. At the heart of the story, you have a parent, you have a mom who's at the limit of what she can do. There's nothing more that she can do for her daughter who's suffering with something that's beyond her. This is not just a matter of her daughter's hungry, her daughter's cold. It's not just a matter that her daughter got made fun of by friends. This is something that's beyond her. This is a story about a parent dealing with the suffering of their child. And I think every parent at Mass tonight can relate to that in some measure whether it's just that first cold that your baby had and there was nothing you could do. Like they were inconsolable and boogers were coming out of every orifice of their face. 
and all you wish you could do for, for everything in you, you wish you could take it away. And then those sufferings get more and more complicated as life happens. There's the sufferings of what happens on the bus when they go to school, when nobody sat with them, when nobody played with them, when they got made fun of. There's the sufferings of not making a team, the sufferings of not being asked a homecoming. There's complicated sufferings. There's the sufferings, though, of what do you do when you're a parent and your kid is sick with something that you just can't fix? And you go to Jesus with this heart full of longing like this mom, begging him, please do something about this. Do something about this. Take this away. I'm thinking about right now, there's a couple in our parish, Chris and Allie Edwards. Allie's the youngest daughter of uh, Pat and Judy McNeil, and they're at Akron Children's right now. Allie had uh, a little girl this past Sunday, a week ago, little Eloise. Eloise is in the NICU, and, and she's struggling a lot right now. I went and baptized her today, and she's having uh, the plan is for her to have surgery tomorrow. They're not sure what's going on. Like, they are suffering. Like, what do you do? <laughs> what do you do? Like, I know moments, I know people, and I know stories where like a buddy of mine, his 18-month-old daughter, him and his family, they were down in Florida visiting a home that they were thinking about buying, and his family was walking around the property, and his 18-month-old daughter somehow got away from the family. And she wandered away and fell into the pool, and she drowned. She was without a heartbeat for a significant period of time. Matt, the dad, he realized that joy was nowhere to be found. He, he instantly had this sinking feeling in his stomach that she's in the pool. And he ran to the pool, leapt over this fence, finds his daughter floating in the pool, pulls her out, and begins immediately administering CPR to, this, to his daughter. A nightmare situation for every parent. She was cold. Her lips were blue. She wasn't breathing. And in the midst of praying over her and doing CPR, this dad said he suddenly found himself like taken up into the throne room of God. And he said, I found myself standing before God the Father and saying to him, I know she's your daughter, but she's my daughter too. And it's not the time yet. And somehow, after 40-something minutes of her without a heartbeat, the EMTs managed to get a heartbeat again. And then days in the hospital, the conviction of all the nurses and all the doctors, but this is, this is not going to turn out well. She's not going to be okay. And that not, only did she, not only did she start getting okay, she was exceeding every milestone that everyone thought possible. She's doing great now. She's flourishing now. Like that happens. Those stories happen. The suffering of parents coming before God saying, I don't know what to do. You got to do something for me. And he does. It's not because they said the right words or because they prayed the right way or they had sufficient this, that, or the other thing. They banked up enough sacrifices. They banked up enough holy hours. It's nothing to do with that. 
it is so deeply mysterious, I, I don't know the answer because I also know stories that ended differently where people prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and it didn't turn out like that. It wasn't the outcome that we wanted. I'm not here tonight to try and offer an answer to the problem of evil or suffering. Like whether you're a parent or not, like this is, this is an issue, this is something that faces all of us as disciples. This life is fraught with suffering. I think about St. Thomas Aquinas right now who he wrote thousands upon thousands of words about God. This is a man who, in the beginning of the Summa Theologica, he wrote extensively proofs for the existence of God. So many things he had to say. But when it came to the issue of whether or not there is a God, he said ultimately there's only one good, only one possibly good argument against the existence of God. And he said it's this, it's the problem of suffering, it's the problem of evil. Philosophers through the ages have looked at this and have tried to make sense of it. Many of them have said, this is the thing that I just, I can't surmount this. I can't live in a world where supposedly there's an all-good, all-loving, all-powerful God who could allow this kind of suffering to happen. There are people right now who are losing their faith because they look at the news, they look at things happening, the fires in Hawaii. How could an all-good and all-loving God allow that? How could an all-good and all-loving God allow pediatric cancer how could an all-good, all-loving, all-powerful God allow a world where there are caskets for infants? Because it would seem that, right, the logic would go, like as every parent knows that if I had the power, if I could do something about it, if I knew a way to do something about it, I would do something about it. Is that not in every one of your hearts as a parent? Like, I'm thinking about Allie right now. She would do anything to take this away from her daughter. Chris, her husband, would do anything to take this away. But God is the kind of parent that we aren't. He's the kind of father that you aren't. He's not just merely a father who wants to spare us of every suffering. He's the kind of God who can do something with suffering that we can't even imagine. He's the kind of God who takes on flesh, who enters into suffering, who knows it from the inside out, who has a mother who knows it from the inside out. We have a God who is an artist, who does things that we couldn't even fathom. How do you take a tomb and turn it into a womb? How do you take a crucified corpse and turn it into glory? How do you take the worst things of our, of our stories and turn them into something beautiful? Only God can do that. The only answer to the problem of suffering, the only answer to the problem of your suffering, the only answer to the problem of 
like Allie sitting in the hospital, like this mother coming before Jesus, begging him to do something about this, is Jesus saying, I have done something about this. Matthew says he doesn't say a word in answer to her. And what I can't help but thinking is that he doesn't say a word in answer to her because he already is the word in answer to her. Like he already has done something about it. Like he's not just waiting, you know, fickle and like this sort of medieval king upon a throne, amuse me, see if I will be gracious to you. No, he has done something about it. He did something about it. Like, I just know, I just know that, like, there are so many parents right now, like all those parents who are walking around the NICU where I was today, or parents who, who are so petrified because their kids are going through the worst mental illness crisis that our country's ever seen, the parents who are, who are petrified of phone calls coming in the middle of the night, parents who are dropping their kids off at college, not knowing how this is going to go, parents who are just holding their breath because their kids are suffering so much. Begging God to do something about it. And he has. He destroyed death. He destroyed death. The scariest thing possible, he rendered powerless. And our problem is a problem of perspective, really, is what it is. That we just can't see things in the biggest of pictures like he can. We think because we grow up, we become these big adults that we have a real read of the situation. None of us have a read of the situation. This is why, this is why the message from the heart of Jesus, the message at the heart of divine mercy is always, trust me. Because I know this is scary, and there's, there's, I can't even in principle explain it to you, is what God's saying. Trust me. I'm doing something. I'm never not doing something. I'm never leaving you to just cry it out on your own. Even in moments where it seems like I'm being deliberately cruel or silent or ignoring you, I'm doing something. He didn't have to be convinced. by this woman to work this miracle for her. He's always doing something. So friends, I want to invite us to just to pray right now for Allie and for baby Eloise and for Chris. Let's just offer a Hail Mary together for the doctors, the surgeons, the nurses, and that even tonight there would be a miracle that the surgery wouldn't even be needed tomorrow. Let's pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, 
and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death.